every Wednesday. Oye Oye Podcast. Open your eyes with Alberic Barrett and Alonso de Yanis. Hello, folks. Welcome to Oyoye Podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Alonso. Hello. Like always. And we're going to talk about agriculture, second round, agriculture alternatives, actually. And Alonso is going to start with uh, an overview of uh, agriculture around the world. Okay, well, to get started today, um, we're going to do to take a look at uh, some of the big challenges we're facing as a as, uh, human beings and uh, and uh, also some of the things that have gone uh, wrong with this uh, because these uh, are um, the key entry points for a change that we will focus later on uh, with the uh, the agricultural transition um, ways that we that we can achieve and uh, the brief uh, the very first big challenge is that all the world still suffers very widely from malnutrition problems. And malnutrition is a condition that essentially means people either eating a diet that, contain, that contains uh, too few or too many nutrients. And we have at this point uh, in time uh, 800 million people who suffer from a chronic hunger. But on the other side, we also have... Um, Two billion people who are overweight or obese. Mm, yes, actually in Europe it's almost 20% of the, the youngest that are uh, obese. And today more people are dying because of obesity rather than malnutrition. I mean lack of nutrition. Yeah, so uh, right now one in three people, many of them actually have multiple forms of malnutrition, hunger or obesity and micronutrient deficiencies. Uh, so one in three people are there a lot, you know, like, and it's something that affects actually all countries, all 193 countries in this, uh, in this mm. world. Um, the second big challenge that we face is that, uh, the world population is, uh, of course growing. So the median scenario of the United Nations predicts that, uh, we are going to have 9.7 billion people by 2050, 2050. Most of the growth is actually happening in Africa, which we all know they have uh, agricultural and uh, natural resources uh, problems, where the population in that period may actually double. Uh, we have urbanization happening also in all parts of, uh, of the world. That means that um, we have shifting diets. And we also know from these two factors that uh, we, will, we will at least have to produce 60% more food if we continue in this business as usual scenario in terms of consumption and population growth. So, um, this is not <laughs> a good fact. <laughs> not a good fact because uh, many sustainable problems will arise and uh, eventually will happen. With well, the, uh, actually, already they're happening right now. Because, yeah, we, we, we know right now that we have some. Uh, um, decreasement of uh, yield in Europe, I mean all around the world and as you said before at uh, Africa for instance where we will have a, a tremendous uh, population growth uh, will face many more challenges that uh, he's already uh, facing and um, 
Yes, it's a it's a huge huge issue. Huge huge issue. So the present big uh, the present's big risk because of food prices increase and also volatility can become as Alric says more frequently, and we have to do all that uh, additional food production against a changing in climate. So. Yes. Tough, tough, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> tough moments for uh, for the human species. Um, then uh, one of uh, another problem, the third big problem actually that we face is that we still have 700 million people living below the poverty line, and at this at this point in time, and agriculture is very important in that context because about seven seventy percent of the growth uh, of the world's poor live in rural areas. And many of them depends on agriculture as a key part of their livelihoods. Um, so agriculture is very important in this context because uh, agriculture growth, particularly productivity growth, continues to be one of the most poverty-reducing factor and intervention that we can use. So many of the public policies established around the world are focused on uh, uh, combat poverty with agricultural models. Yes, many of them, or most of them. Mm. And the thing is that in uh, so-called rich countries, uh, we have an economy that is more diverse. So we have several uh, posts of incomes, and if we have a lack of uh, uh, yield in some places, we can still import uh, food from the outside. We can also uh, give uh, subvention to people in need, and this is not the case of those uh, countries that are relying for. Uh, Uh, I mean, on a large scale, um, on agriculture. So, with with that in mind, that that, that thing that Alfred just said, importing food from other places, rich countries import food from other places. I want to 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 tell another big issue that we are facing, which is that uh, um, many of uh, or big part of the of the solution is that we are wasting a lot of food. Right now, we are wasting a lot of food. It's estimated that um, about a third of food that we produce for human consumption is lost or wasted along the chain, either in the processing or post-processing stages, but also at the consumption stages in terms of what humans do with it. So that represents, on an annual, on an annual basis, an economic loss of about $1 trillion every year, and it also contributes to 8% of the global greenhouse gas emissions. This 8% of the global greenhouse emissions is only for food waste. Mm. It's not about uh, food production, which is another uh, greenhouse emission uh, factor that is uh, even uh, bigger. But this 8% is only for uh, waste. So it's a lot. Yes, because organic uh, food, I mean, organic things are actually uh, uh, releasing also methane, which is... Uh, We way more uh, active in uh, in the in its uh, greenhouse uh, effect than CO2, and that's why it's a problem. It is. It is. And actually, I think, but I'm, perhaps you know more that we could, if we were able, which is not the case, uh, to optimize uh, the distribution of food to nourish 12 billions of people. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's also uh, it's uh, it's another challenge, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, when I'm in the university restaurant, I can see way too much uh, plates that are not empty, 
I know that in some places they ask to the, the student or the, I don't know, the, the employee, uh, if they, like, they, they start with, uh, small pieces and then they, they ask, do you want more? Or if you want more, you can come back after. And it's actually reduced the waste. It's not the case here. It's but, not uh, the case here. It's a lot of so, so uh, something we should talk about. <laughs> we should talk about the the famous gaspillage here in France. Yeah. So, uh, which are the uh, the more um, um, how can I say like uh, wasters? Wasters, it's okay that to say. Yeah, <laughs> so you, you, you guys uh, understand me, but in Europe, North America, for example, in North America, for example, consumers to waste an average about a hundred kilograms of food per year. Hundred kilograms of food per year. It's it's uh, crazy if we take into account that many people are starving in uh, South Asia or in uh, Africa. So. Uh, In developing country, in developing countries like in Af Africa or, or or Asia, the number may be only 10 kilograms per year, because of course the access to food is uh, is limited, so limited the, and difficult. Yeah. Hmm. And lastly, of course, is uh, of one of our of our um, issues is climate change. We are all concerned about the huge environmental impact in the agricultural basis. And uh, this has both positive as well as negative impacts on many ecosystem services. So it is, of course, a major provisioning factor that produces food and other products that uh, people need. But it also contributes about a quarter of the world's greenhouse emission. Mm. Quarter of the world. Yeah. Okay. Only agriculture. Only agriculture. If you take also your uh, individual footprint... Uh, it's the same. It's about one quarter of your footprint is related to what you eat. And uh, you can actually make a huge improvement of your uh, ecological footprint just by focusing on your... Uh, your uh, your uh, Agricultural consumption? Well, I, w I was going to say uh, <laughs> diet. <laughs> your but, diet. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about CO2. Because, of course... Even if you change your diet, but you still uh, import food from the other part of the world, old package, you know, in packages, pl plastic packages and the, stuff. The avocado stuff, yes. album stuff. Well, and... The CO2, uh, your, your <laughs> CO2 footprint is going to increase. Yeah. And also you are going to generate plastics. And plastic is another problem that is not relating to And CO2. water, and water. Agriculture itself occupies more than a third of the world's land surface and it uses 70%, 70%, you need to, to listen carefully, of fresh water resources, only for agricultural purposes. Yeah. 70% of the fresh water mm -hmm. in all the world is going to agriculture. Yeah. So let's not forget that agriculture in that way when we talk about water is also concerning like Coca-Cola, Fanta, beer and all the, those uh, side products that we, we don't always take into account when we think about it. But yes, about, I think it's around yeah, 70 to 75% of, uh, of land that we use to grow food to feed the livestock then to eat the livestock so most of the in those uh, 
in those uh, third, uh, third part of uh, land that we use for agriculture. There's also a f um, three quarter of that land that are used to to livestock. So it's a huge, I mean, it's also a, a huge margin. amount of natural resources. Yes, and it's a margin that we have if we want to reduce our impact. Yeah. A big one. A huge one. Yeah. It's not a big one. It's like a... Yeah, yeah of course, of course. <laughs> so, uh, there's a huge concern, of course, that some of these processes that humans have included due to intensive forms... Uh, I'm always uh, criticized because I say humans in the... Like referring to, to other people and not me, but I'm also human, just to be clear. <laughs> Because in Twitter, someone, uh, someone, uh, why are you ask me? Why are you always referring to humans like they're another species? I'm also a human, okay, just to <laughs> to be clear about it. Uh, processes that humans, uh, me included, have uh, induced due to intensive forms of agriculture could lead to uh, exceeding certain certain uh, planetary boundaries. Planetary boundaries. I'm going to make a, a, a pit stop here. It's I think uh, another topic we should talk about. Yes. Planet I love the topic of planetary boundaries um, or irreversible uh, damage to our natural environment that simplify um, of the result of world's uh, growing population and unsustainable food um, production processes. And so, the release of uh, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Course, and, yeah. yeah. There are, I mean... I think there are seven or eight uh, planet boundaries. I think it's seven, yeah. But uh, I think we can quantify only four or five of them, but that we already overpassed four of them. We already damaged four of them, yeah. So, yeah. But we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk, another about, we'll talk about it, yeah. Um, other episodes, sorry. <laughs> uh, if we want to make a big change, there are essentially three domains or three major entry points that we will view as an important today to address uh, for a sustainable agriculture as part of the overall global sustainable development. So the first one is that we must achieve food and nutrition security for a growing world population. The second one is that we must achieve sustainable agriculture that makes a significant contribution to economic and social development, particularly in rural areas. That's why we're going to talk about agroforestry. And the third is that we must have a sustainable agricultural and food system that ensures environmental sustainability for future generations. That's why we, that's why we are going to talk about permaculture. And um, so um, those of all of these interventions, of course, need to to happen along this uh, whole chain. You know, soil, water, logistics, uh, technology. Um, knowledge, consumption, consumption, and 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 all of this. So, with all of this in mind, with all my uh, short <laughs> introduction, <laughs> I would like to Alvarez to start explaining what is agroforestry, which is one of the topics slash solutions that we are proposing today. Yes, but first I'm going to come back on the pesticides uh, topic. The infamous. Pesticides. Yes. Just to to be clear, I don't think if we specified last time what was a pesticide. So for the record, it's a large spectrum product. So it means that it don't choose, um, doesn't choose the plants or the insect. It just kill 
to think or the fungus actually so uh, when we talk about pesticides it's uh, generally speaking one product that can kill at the same time weed insects and fun um, and uh, parasite par sorry parasitic fungi because it, it causes actually uh, it causes uh, plant disease so um, I uh, was listening to a podcast a few a few days ago actually and uh, an old farmer explained uh, he was explaining how how he lived more or less the introduction of uh, chemical products in agriculture and uh, I think it's quite um, it, it, it's a, it's a nice example um, so actually basically what he said was that when we started to put nitrogen in the crops um, a grass called the vulpine uh, was growing on the wheat ears or a wheat uh, spike and as a result the, the farmers were unhappy because it was uh, more difficult to to actually take them and process them so they were advised to put 150 grams of isoproturone in water which is uh, actually a uh, uh, pesticide to destroy the vulpine and it's exactly what happened without the wheat falling off so it was oh my god such a good idea but because we were continuing to 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 put nitrogen to uh, uh to uh, aug uh, not augment to increase the yield the vegetation also was very exuberant you know the vegetation on the, the grass for yes. example or other stuff and the thing is that if you have a lot of vegetation, it keeps the moisture at ground level. And if you have moisture, you have more fungus. And if you have fungus, then you have disease to the plants. So for that, they developed also another, uh, this time a fungicide. Uh, and after that, since we're still uh, using uh, the nitrogen, we developed the plugging activity. And because of that, we, with large machine, much larger, uh, it was all the time, there was actually uh, uh, Concor, uh, not Concor, um, not Fight, um, how we say that? What do you want to say? Um, race, yeah, it was like kind of race with tractors. Okay. To to make a, a long line of plugging, the fastest. You know, the first one to make one was like the winner and stuff. So I mean, it was the the green revolution at the time. Putting so much nitro uh, nitrogen in the crops were uh, increasing the yield so much. So it was like a kind of fascination for technology. But because of that, um, we totally disrupt the organization of the soils by putting the subsoils on the surface and the surface at the bottom. And uh, we therefore destroy the fauna that lives on the surface, but also the one that is living deep in the ground. So that's why we're going to talk about agroforestry. Um, so yeah, just to give some data um, between 1950 and now, soils have lost 4%, I mean, almost 4% of organic matter uh, in one acres. Huge. So it's huge. Uh, uh, regarding heat worms, 
we could find around two tones in just one meter quarter and now it's about 100 kilos it depends of course but well generally speaking because we industrialize uh, agriculture um, and also homogenize the, the, the practices it's uh, more or less what we find and uh, well we we talk a lot about it worms for those who are interested in agriculture because it's like a, a very important uh, animal but there are a lot of others that are also very important to uh, uh, this uh, complex ecosystem that is uh, actually uh, the soils. So um, why should we use uh, agri uh, agroforestry? Um, do you want to make an introduction or uh, do you want me to... Do you, do you want to make the definition or I can do it? Well, Let's make a poll. What do you decide? <laughs> <laughs> okay, agroforestry is defined as simply as is as agriculture with trees. However, it is uh, so much more. Um, it's the interaction uh, of agriculture and trees, including the agriculture use of trees. Oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> this comprises trees on farms and in agricultural landscapes, farming in forests and along forest margins and tree crop production, which includes many, uh, many different examples like uh, uh, cocoa, coffee, uh, rubber and oil palm. So interaction between trees and other components of agriculture may be important at the range uh, of scales in fields, for example, where trees and crops are grown together or on farms where trees may provide uh, fodder for livestock, fuel, food, shelter or income from uh, products including uh, timber and landscapes where agriculture and forest land uses combining the term in determining the provision of ecosystem services. Nice. Very nice. Uh, sounds very nice. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. And I, well, uh, I don't know if you want to say something. Uh, yeah, I can say what, wh why do we use uh, trees in those uh, kind of practices? Um, well, I think almost everybody almost knows that a tree is uh, capable of uh, uh, capture carbon, but it also has a lot of other uh, um, good impacts which are uh, bringing up water and minerals from deep layers of the soils to the surface. Um, you have actually a, a pivoting root that is going directly in the ground like in a vertical way and um, some trees actually can develop um, uh, an acid yeah. to attack the rocks and take out the minerals from that. Uh, also with earthworms that are doing uh, a part of the job. So this is amazing and that's why it's, uh, it's, it's working with the good crops, of, of course, uh, it, it's working very well. Um, it can also create a microclimate. Perhaps you uh, notice, notice that during summer, if you are close to a tree, most of the time the, the, the air is actually uh, colder. Fresh. Yeah, fresh. Um, and also it can protect some uh, insects or bigger animals and, um, and help them during, uh, I don't know, water stress or, uh, or heat waves. 
Um, and it's far better than photovoltaic panels. Uh, I had a lot of, uh, not to say that it's not good, uh, again, it, it really depends on where we settle them, but I had, I saw many presentations, I attended to many presentations, and there were always people saying that how good it was to have photovoltaic panels with uh, animals. Uh, and it's not always a good um, idea. A good idea, yeah. If you look at California, which I think is the, the biggest uh, state uh, of America, perhaps one of the biggest region of the world um, that is um, developing uh, photovoltaic panels, it has huge impacts on the, the biodiversity, uh, animals, or vegetation. And uh, many people, many. Um, Defender of uh, of nature, nature activists are actually now advocating against those because uh, I mean many birds uh, have been killed because of that. Like trying to uh, to uh, land on those panels that were actually uh, so hot that they were burnt, and um, and many other things. I mean, if you are interested in that, you can see uh, a TEDx from Michael. Uh, uh, Kronberg, I think. I don't recall. I will tell you uh, next time. Uh, but it's uh, it's quite interesting, at least to know to know it. Uh, what else can be done thanks to trees? Um, actually, if you use a tree, you don't have, as uh, also said, uh, Alonso said before, you don't only have uh, I don't know water or. Uh, more insects you can also use the wood from those trees yeah um, exactly and you can also uh, I mean you you won't have to do anything but actually 40% of the tree biomass is returning to the soil. so uh, thanks to leaves but also to roots it's actually nourishing the ecosystem and it's very good so if you have a garden and you actually want to remove all the leaves well, you you know that if you leave them there, it's going to nourish even more your soil, even though it's not always very nice. Yes, I can give you that. <laughs> Perhaps you can choose where you put or where where you let or not uh, the leaves. Um, for example, the INRA, which is the National Institute for Agronomic uh, Research, so a national uh, offering. Um, Lead, uh, lead an experimentation on a system cultivating wheat with walnut trees. And um, at the end, the conclusion was that with uh, 100 acres uh, agroforestry plot, uh, it was possible to produce as much biomass as 136 acres. Uh, so, well, the gain was of 36%. And uh, it's, it's quite a good... Uh, it's quite a good uh, balance, I think. Um, and something else, yes, trees can also filter not only air, but also other products uh, such as uh, nitrates. And so it can reduce the pollution of groundwater, which is quite uh, important because I don't know, generally speaking, around the world, but in France, groundwater are not in a good uh, good shape, if I can say. There's a lot and of different And if it's not pollution. good in France, imagine in the developed countries. Depends. It's uh, mostly because of agriculture, actually. 
because we are one of the biggest agricultural uh, European country. So that's an industrialized, heavily industrialized uh, agriculture. So um, th that that's also a thing. And of course, you know that na nature doesn't know uh, borders. So It's pollution, okay. pollution, <laughs> don't also. Um, well, do you want to say uh, anything else? Yes, I want to. I want to make an example from Central America, and then on my own case, on my yeah. own particular case. For example, farmers in Central America have been known to plant more than 20 different species of plants on plots of no more than one-tenth of an hectare, each with a different form, together corresponding to the layer configuration of mixed tropical forests. So these plots may contain coconut or papaya, with a lower layer of bananas or citrus, a sharp layer of uh, coffee or cacao, tall and low annuals such as, uh, as maize, and finally a spreading ground cover of plants such as squash, um, And then such systems have uh, multiple multiple benefits, providing a diverse range of food, with trees providing shade and prevention erosions and water evaporation. For example, mm -hmm. in my in my own particular case, in my family ranch in Mexico, uh, what what we what we do is uh, combine, for example, citrus, which are mainly orange, um, lemon, orange and lemon, mm -hmm. with a different Uh, shorter uh, plants like uh, watermelon, like peppers, you know, like spicy peppers, um, like uh, granate. I don't know if it's uh, the name in English too. Granada, the fruit in, in oh, <laughs> granate. granate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so we make a lot of layers, and um, uh, in that way, we assure that the fruit is going to. To actually, of the plant is actually going to give fruits, because um, that's uh, how it works. You know, like plants uh, helped each other in order that uh, they can give to to all the food. So um, yeah, I mean, before before uh, knowing what was agroforestry, I didn't knew. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, guys, but uh, I was very. Uh, hooked by the agroforestry uh, subject because it's something that m many people in, in Central America or in Mexico is North America, but um, in uh, in America or even in your houses, you can do it. You do agroforestry and you, you, you don't even know based on practices that are in your house since generations. You know, like, oh, my grandmother t told me that uh, if I plant this grape with this, uh, um, I don't know, um, Uh, strawberry uh, thing, it will be uh, better for for them to grow together. So these kind of secrets, you know, like they are passing through generations, are agroforestry, and they are like amazing. Yes. Well, now the the thing is that when we talk about alternatives uh, practices, it's uh, always a mix between old knowledge and new one, and this is why it's uh, so effective, but also quite dense in in. Uh, in terms of uh, information, uh, but it's, it's very effective. Um, 
I mean, yes, we you you can do so many things while associate well associating plants. Uh, like one plant is going to give some shadow to another one, but the other one is going to have uh, deeper roots, so it can bring more water and minerals. And it's yeah, very interesting because the way we developed industrial agriculture was more like okay, we're going to optimize, we're going to to increase the yields and to simplify all of that. So. We settle monoculture and all that stuff that you already know. And um, this is why today we have uh, we, we turn back on agricultural uh, alternatives, agricultural practices, also because they are way more resilient. And uh, I think we can talk about permaculture. <laughs> Before I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a, last, uh, a last comment. Agroforestry uh, contributes efficiently to carbon sequestration. Yeah, I so, said that. Uh, oh, you said that? Yeah, yeah I said that. <laughs> so storage values recorded at uh, 0.3 tons of uh, CO2 equal per uh, hectare uh, per year uh, in, in intra-parcel agroforestry and uh, more than one ton of CO2 equivalent hectares per year for certain uh, groups. Yeah, so it's also a topic we're going to talk about, uh, carbon sequestration. Yes. Uh, well, carbon capture, um, carbon capture and storage. Yeah, or uh, and offsetting. Uh, I think it's the, the the right term. But there, are, yeah, there has some limits. Like depending what trees you you actually use, and uh, you will not want to yeah. miss that podcast because uh, we're going into a fight. I'll recognize. Really? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> and a spicy discussion will be yeah. headed. <laughs> But yeah, so we will talk about carbon well, uh, natural carbon well, and uh, what we can actually do uh, wisely with those kind of uh, practices and uh, perhaps uh, future technologies. So permaculture. Permaculture. Uh, so before talking about it, um, We have, I mean, to remember that it's not just about uh, a way of gardening or doing a market gardening, uh, truck farming for the American uh, listening, um, but it's also a philosophy. It's really a way of seeing uh, the world uh, ecosystem. I don't even know if uh, pure uh, permaculture, uh, permaculture people Uh, use the term ecosystem, but um, it's um, it's a, it's a, it's a l way of life, like living as much as possible in harmony uh, with the nature and in a self-sufficient uh, environment that well you create. So it brings uh, together, as I said before, ancestral and uh, new principles and techniques of cultivation, and very important landscaping. Because it's not, like I said before, just about growing food. It's also uh, about uh, living in a place that is harmonious, uh, productive, self-sufficient, and naturally regenerated. Um, so that's why I was talking about resilient practices. Um, and this one is a particularly interesting one. Um, so it has the function, as I said, to produce food or fruits. It can also be used actually to produce um, medicinal plants, aromatic herbs, uh, I don't know, honey flowers, uh, ornaments, 
is it's also i mean you can also associate plants that are only uh, that we only use for ornaments with plants that are actually producing food so let's not uh, mix them yeah yes i mean we have to mix them but let's not uh, divide them, divide like, them. Yeah, in a very uh, restrictive uh, restrictive um, way Ways. yeah um what we can remember what you can remember because actually i already do <laughs> it's that permaculture is trying to respect as much as possible the natural cycle uh the pr the basis is that you do your thing about the uh landscaping but at the end of the day you imitate as much as possible the natural cycle and you uh, you boost them so you have different ways to do it you can do it with association or compost which is uh, quite a common uh, practice and at the end of the project which is uh, quite a long uh, project i mean it's at least i would say five years from the start to uh, to um, a period where you are um, where yours well where you can perhaps um, have enough food to feed yourself uh, don't think that you can be self-sufficient it's it's very hard but uh, it takes time so uh, the, the the aim is to create an ecosystem and um, and I would give you some recommendation um, it's not only about permaculture, but just generally speaking, um, as we said, many agricultural systems exist. Uh, so you have to know how to choose and adapt them according to, I don't know, like the region you are, um, the local particularities such as uh, the soils, the meteo. Yeah, because there are many, many different ecosystems and forms of agriculture yes. in all the world. I mean, it's not the same thing planting tomatoes in france that planting tomatoes in africa or yeah even though you, i think you took the worst example because tomatoes is the most easiest thing to to grow <laughs> well but uh... <laughs> but yes it's not the same not with the same tools and techniques and, and that's water why we, yes and yeah exactly and soil and climate so that's why adapting those uh those uh seeds like we talked uh, before uh, in the last uh, episode um, I mean not in the last about uh, nuclear waste but uh, in the one before um, it's very important because um, we know that climate is changing and it's changing very fast so the more we actually uh, practice those alternative uh, agricultural system the more we're going to build resilient uh, agronomic uh, system um, so as I said it, it takes time a lot of time um, generally speaking it's also quite technique it's not just about it's, it's not to minimize the work of uh, industrial uh, uh, farmers I would say but it's uh, yeah it's uh, quite difficult you have to observe you have to to have some feedbacks you have to look for information so yeah what we what we can uh, actually underline I mean what has been underlined in uh, in studies was that most of the times it's uh, old pioneer uh, that is uh, 
you know, like since many years uh, training a practice and then like other farmers get interested and they, they start to, to do the same on a little crop and then they, they can, they can sometimes, uh, but it's quite also difficult, they can adapt and actually uh, move to a transition. But there's still a lot of uh, uh, obstacle to that. Um, perhaps you know, but most of the time, the subsidies you can have are only based on how much you can produce. Yes, always. And the thing is that when you try those alternative uh, agriculture system, as I said, at the beginning, you don't have a lot of yield. Uh, you have to wait that the synergies are actually uh, uh, putting themselves in, in places and uh, that you can try a different type of seeds and uh, way to manage it. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, an obstacle that we can actually, uh, um, I think we can, we could fight it, but uh, we don't have, uh, I think, uh, a wise vision of agriculture today and we also have uh, economic constraints uh, that are uh, another thing <laughs> um, well for this reason I think it's uh, very essential um, to think about those uh, alternative agricultural uh, model uh, and also to think about uh, perhaps a lack of fossil fuel that are still uh, of a great use in the uh, in the agricultural uh, model that we have today. Uh, perhaps it's going to be another topic. I don't know. Depends if you want. But uh, the International Agency of Energy is actually saying that by 2025 we will reach the oil. Uh, we will have an oil peak, like the the last one between conventional oil and uh, uh, how we call that? Shell? Uh, yeah, shell oil. Unconventional. What? Unconventional. unconventional. Yeah, unconventional <laughs> <oil>. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we have to think about it. We, we still have a lot of uh, fossil energies, but oil is by far the most easiest one. And uh, I mean, it's, it's clearly what is holding our society today. That's why we talk about a thermo-industrial society. Yeah. So uh, thinking about it, uh, and as I said, because it's kind of a long, um, long system to settle, uh, it's it's very important, I think, to to have some thoughts uh, and debate debates with your friends about how you can actually uh, grow food without fossil fuel, uh, how you can grow food with less, um, I don't know, tractors or uh, materials. So that would be my end, my conclusion. So just for a finish, I think that it's very important to uh, to um, to say that one of the key factors that the that our alien audience of Oye Oye needs needs to understand in that context is that, as Alberic said, so solutions are not that simple because we have different and uh, unique features of agriculture, which is a, a huge diversity in all the world. So we have in the world numerous kind of agricultural uh, production systems or whole food uh, systems that are also driven by different cultures. And um, so, yeah, it's a huge uh, diversity and complexity for producing our food 
as well as consuming that food and all the associated challenges. So it's up to you to uh, to to your audience to to understand all of these uh, problems and challenges and to start uh, making uh, permaculture in your own places or agroforestry in your own places so that you can give it a try. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not that hard. I mean, I will not minimize the the actual uh, agricultures, but uh, I think it's not that hard that we can start making our own our own uh, uh, moves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on YouTube you can find a lot of information. You have a lot of books. You just have to be consistent. They are they are also uh, mocks, mooks. Yeah, mook. Yeah, online, uh, online uh, trainings. Yeah, that can help you. Uh, but if you can, if you don't have the time. Uh, well, you can at least go to some uh, producer that are actually uh, doing those kind of agriculture because it's, uh, it's. I mean, it's only good stuff. Uh, if you go to see those people, you will, you will reduce your waste, you will go more local, and then you will also have good impacts uh, and good synergies. Exactly. As we said before, so uh, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> well, thank you for listening at Oye Oye Podcast. Yeah, again. Remember, uh, again, remember to, to stay tuned for more sustainable uh, uh, topics, climate change related and stuff. Uh, yes. My Twitter is Alonso with a Z, L-E. And uh, Albrecht Barrett is on LinkedIn. You can find it. You yeah. can find him there. And thank you for, uh, for listening. For listeners. Bye-bye, folks. Ciao.